Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, listening to us uh, have a great little recording live here from the WGN Allstate Skyline Studio. I don't know why I say that at the beginning of every podcast, but I do because I guess because I'm here and I like it. Um, awesome show. I don't even know really how to how to. This is like the last show. I don't even know how to start the start the show because it's normally you get like really cool companies in and and the founders. Not to say that the past founders haven't been inspirational and cool in their own way. They have been, but totally unknowns to me. Uh, the last two guests, including our next guest Zach Dabas, who's the CEO and founder of Punch Kick, uh, are cancer survivors. And you know, it's so funny. I was talking. So the so the last guest we had on Leah, who was a cancer survivor, talks about how she you know created a company that created clean liquor, uh, and you could see the relationship right to to like her health. In this case, I'm thinking, you know. What's the connection? Is it just sort of a, a you know an odd and unfortunate coincidence that this happened to Zach and he overcame it thankfully, or is there something deeper? And in the, in, in, we're going to find out. You're going to find out right along with me that there is something deeper. Uh, Zach is also a lawyer, uh, and has joked about it. Uh, the only thing worse than being a lawyer would probably be having testicular cancer, which is sounds almost like I'm making a joke of it, but really being a lawyer is just that rough. Uh, Zach was in law school and he recognized that there was a company idea that he could create that would be different. It was in digital and mobile was, you know, all the rage in 2006 and 2007, 09, whatever. Um, and you know, we started the show talking about all of the different digital things that are going on and what punch kick does. And it's different. And, and in the end, we literally only talked about punch kick for like two seconds, other than to talk about a topic that I think is really interesting and valuable to everyone listening. And that is called the flat management movement, flat management. If you're not aware of it is essentially the getting rid of the business hierarchies is yes, there's a CEO. Yes. There's a head of product and all these things, but they don't really report to one another. It's just sort of like a, a unit, a team. And, I personally am a huge believer in it. Uh, Zach has gone so far as to read books and have the entire team read books about it. I just personally believe that if you want to maintain talent, as I mentioned in the show, it really comes down to paying people what they're worth and letting them be who they want to be. And in a hierarchy uh, type of strat, you know, business structure, it's very hard because if one person is not there, then the next person has weight on them and so on and so forth. And it just becomes a weak link scenario. And that's not good. Um, what you need is a mosh pit of people who can be moved in and out and can be replaced and can be picked up and they can move on and, and they can work from home and they can work in the office and, and nothing changes. And we try to do that at Technorian. Zach has, has done this uh, exceptionally well. And the company that he's built, uh, it just, it, well, I'll let you guys listen to the conversation with Zach and, and and you learn for yourself on why flat management, he's so passionate about it, but why flat management is really the future of sort of like, a, I hate to use the millennial thing, but like the future of millennial businesses. Uh, so before we go to Zach, though, I think it's time for us to check our inbox. What do you think? You've got mail. Boom, we've got mail. Uh, so every single week I try to look into, you know, people send us pitches. We get a lot of them, hundreds of them. Uh, some of them good, some of them not so good, some of them funny, some of them, you know, maybe less funny. Um, and we also hopefully get some people to tell us some inspiring stories or ask us questions. Feel free to do that. You can do that at uh, following our social channels at Technori or DM me at Katoon, however you want to do it. This user who, um, I'm not sure if this is their username or if this is just their way of not putting a name in the title, uh, but I'll read it anyway, just in case it helps them get followers. BFDND, uh, I got to tell you before I even read this, amazing. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'll just read this email and you just do what you want with it. This is similar to RateMyProfessors.com, but now you can rate your teammates and colleagues. We have all been in a team with shitty people. 
always late for meetings, always missing deadlines, or just free ride, you name it. LinkedIn has a place for compliments and endorsements, but there should also be a place for not-so-pleasant comments and no endorsement. Yes, amen to that. I, oh, my God, totally. Plus, this is back to the email, plus, during the hiring process, a company cares for the most, uh, cares the most about how a candidate is going to work when he or she actually joins a team, not how they behave during an interview. Like a first date, you give people your best, and then, of course, the reality comes out uh, shortly thereafter. I have to say, right now, at the same time as I'm reading this, in the screen in our studio is Maury Povich, and right now he's determining whether or not that is, in fact, a lie. This is like that for me. That's what I think this is. Are you telling the truth or is it a lie that you are a piece of garbage? Uh, Back to the email. People lie during the interview and in their resumes. Truth, truth. Our website should provide a unique perspective with regard to this. Amen to that, brother. Uh, I could not. I I used Rate My Professors to the point where literally before a semester, I would go on ratemyprofessor.com in college and I would look up every single person and this is more information than you need, but I would literally, if it said, oh, he's great, he's like a grandpa, that was my cue to exit. I just did not, I never did get along with my, you know, one grandpa I loved, the other one, you know, I didn't, I didn't get along with the grandpas as well as maybe other people. I just, I don't, maybe that's where it started. I don't know. But what I do know is every single older teacher that I had, I'm not an ageist, but every single older teacher I had, we just did not see eye to eye. And so that was my way of making sure if it said he's a grandpa, he's a friendly old man, that's my cue to leave. Having that at a workplace, Glassdoor is not enough because Glassdoor is just literally the Yelp of workplaces. It's just people go on there and bitch and gripe about their job after they were there. They don't single out people. I would love to have a platform like a LinkedIn or whatever that is established enough that people would stay on the platform despite the potential for bad, bad reviews. G2 Crowd does it for companies. I mean, you basically get legit or not legit on G2 Crowd if you're a business, a SaaS business, so why not do it for people? Awesome, awesome comment. For the rest of you out there, if you have a great idea, just send it to us. Uh, I swear to God, I won't steal it. I promise. I'll read it online, but I won't steal it. And you will always get my unadulterated, unfiltered uh, reply. So check us out at Technori. Uh, check me out at Katoon. And uh, let's let's drop in with uh, our guest on the show today, Zach Dabas, the CEO of Punchkick Digital. Welcome to our fine studio, Zach. What's going on? Nothing much. Excited to be here. It's a beautiful sunny day. In Isn't December. it great? We were just so Sam, my exo uh, in here, just were we were walking from our office to the studio today and was like, such a you people will hear this episode later. It might be a snowy day, but maybe it'll be nice. Who mm-hmm. knows? Today, the day of this recording, uh, it was it was perfect. I felt like I I could have actually dropped down a coat almost, which yeah. which is like in Chicago. In the it's like windy as hell here. Yeah. So it's you know th- like walking along the river. So this was uh, <laughs> a very nice nice way to come to the studio. Um, you know, I like to talk to the people who come on the show about a lot of things. There's sort of like this sporadic and winding road between founder and CEOs and C whatever O's um, like personally in business. Right. And, and when I see companies like punch kick, the name says that there's something different about you, or at least the name says there's supposed to be something different about you. Um, and you know, a lot of times we get these like X, Y, Z companies that come in and I'm like, you know, we're not in the yellow page world where you have to like pick an A or the, or a Z to start your name to like get, you know, to, to, to be found. (laughs) So I guess I don't know where to start really other than to say like, as a digital agency, you differentiate yourself. How? 
Oh, that's a good question. Right off the bat. Boom. Yeah, that's that's good. That that's a that's a good question because for a long time we were just mobile focused. So yep. when we started in 06, the iPhone hadn't even come out and that was enough. So was, you've been around for a while. Yeah. You've been at this for yes. a while. So I started the company when I was in law school and Good decision. Yeah, I that was not that was not a culture I could thrive in. There was no way. We talk about this on a couple of shows. I talked about literally in the last show. I only briefly mentioned it, but like the smartest thing that ever happened to me was meeting people who were lawyers as like to like get experience or whatever and be like, holy shit, this is awful. Yeah. I'll do almost anything yes. other than this. And it saved me a lot, a it's lot of time why I'm and money. I'm really passionate about the idea that we have to teach people about entrepreneurship and about these different fields that exist because I actually, my dad's a physician and yep. I went to school originally to be a doctor. And I thought, this is life. It's not really enjoyable. Like, you do what you have to do at school, but then you get done at night and you can go home and have fun with your friends. Yeah. My last year of pre-med, I got testicular cancer, went through chemo, went through Holy all shit. of it. It was a nightmare. And I had this moment where I was like, I don't want to be in hospitals for the rest of my life. That's not my passion. But I didn't know what else to do. So the next best thing was law school. And in law school... That's the one thing that might be worse than law school. Yes. Testicular uh, yeah, cancer. It is actually the one, is worse. It is the only thing that is... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not even going to ask. I don't want to start a trend here by any stretch. But the last guest we had on was also a cancer survivor, and her entire business was built on the fact that she had uh, battled and beat cancer and was yeah. like, we got to do something better. It makes you think about these things. And so I took, you know, I was in law school, and at the time, my, my now business partner and I, we were building digital projects on the side, like weekend money. Yeah. And I was like, this is the only thing I like. The only thing I'm excited about is the digital work we do. So in the middle of law school, we got a website up for Punch Kick Interactive. Yep. We kept saying, we need a company name that's punchy, something punchy. Punchy. And we both play video games. Punch Kick yep. just kind of came together. Got a website up. Got some spec projects on it, like mobile work that we built. And I spent the rest of my law school experience firing off new business email after new business email. And by the time I graduated, we had landed two Fortune level clients. And I walked in the law firm and I said, "Smell you later. I'm out of here." And I never looked back. That's crazy. So back then, the differentiator was that we were just mobile. Today, it's trickier because we everything we're doing now is really digital. It's expanded so much. Mobile is so ubiquitous that there's no way to really distinguish yourself on that. So we talk a lot about some of the verticals that we're involved in. We do a lot in the fintech space. So we've talked about potentially branding ourselves as a fintech agency. But the truth is, we've had a lot of success in a lot of different verticals because the processes that we have are really solid. We've been around. We know what we're doing. So... I think the thing that differentiates us the most, I think, is two things. One is we just, we're not trusting of ourselves. We trust the audience. So we don't build projects or products that we're not actually doing user research on, user testing, and really hearing this is a winning product because there's a lot of work out there. I don't want to take on projects that are not going to make the client ecstatic. I think the second thing that differentiates us is as an agency, culturally, it's just unbelievable we run the company completely flat we're about 40 people no managers no no traditional roles people come to the company they choose the title that makes the most sense for them based on their skill set and experience we are open with all of the business information our company financials client health project statuses and what's happened is like this company has grown to become almost like a group of mini CEOs. Yep. It's unbelievable the questions that I hear and the, the initiatives that happen internally and organically. So I think what our clients find, the, I, hopefully what they find is that 
the team is so dedicated and so intelligent. And I think it's really nice to have a company where everybody can deliver so much value. So I want to ask you, we try to do the same thing with us in terms of the flat management style. Uh, although everyone's called manager, it's mm -hmm. like more of like, I, I, I'm using it more as like an adjective. Like you are a manager of our content. You yeah. are a manager of our marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, was that something that you were very like, that, as you scaled, that was something you would, you were thoughtful in? Or is it something that like, in my mind, you know, I don't really know if I had formed an opinion. I, I've read a lot about the different you yeah. know, hierarchies versus flat. It's becoming more common. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that I thoughtfully was like, I'm going to avoid a hierarchy. It just sort of seemed easier, it seemed more like a fit and more like generationally yes. a fit. So what happened with us is, you know, because I had been beaten and battered by all these other industries I was in previously, especially in law, like I couldn't believe the the downhill kind of like the damage is delivered to the person below you and the next person below that's beating up the person below him. So when I started Punch Kick, it was like this very safe place for me to be. And the, the philosophy behind it was always flat. I hired people that I really liked and respected and admired that I would want to work with because I was like, you have one life to live. Let, I'm going to enjoy this. The problem is if you're flat in spirit, but you don't have the processes to support it, you actually become a benevolent monarchy. Yeah. And so what happens is everybody's coming to you because they don't know necessarily the decision to make or the right thing to do, and they're coming to you. So what we did was about three years ago, there's a book called Reinventing Organizations by Frederick Lelou. It's all about how companies run flat, big companies all over the planet, like not just in the US, not just small companies, even really big ones. And we as a company read it together and a group of like 13 of us put together an operating system that would support us being flat at scale. And it created a few processes that really help. One of them is called the advice channel where everyone in the company is empowered to make any decision they want on day one as long as they get the advice of experts and the advice of people who'd be impacted by their decision before they make the decision. And it eliminates so much red tape, so much trouble. And what you find is Everybody in the company, whether it's purchasing a new polycom or throwing an event for a client, when they ask for the advice of the people around them, if they go to the guy in finance and the guy in finance says, now's not the right time, I think, they will really consider that and they will, they will ask themselves, do I do this anyway because I see long-term that it's a smart decision or do I hold off this can wait? There's another way to skin this cat. It's just unbelievable. And so... I give a lot of credit to this book, Reinventing Organizations. It's the only book I'll ever plug because I don't really read business books ever, no. but it's great. It's been really good. How but, do yeah, you manage yeah. the like the 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 controls? You know what I mean? Like, how do you manage decisions people are making in the process itself? Like, a lot of times we we, we look at companies and talk about scale. You know, what I say like, if you're a company growing fifteen or twenty percent year over year, CEO can manage it. Like, that's not out of my mental capacity to, mm -hmm. to see it. It's when you start to get to like 100% and scale and hiring by the dozen and projects are going over. As a CEO, like, yes, it's flat and it's all sort of around you. It's sort of like a, like a solar system. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the end, you are the one who the buck stops with. And so like, you've got to be able to keep your, your eye on the ball and know like, okay, so these things are being done. These things are being done. I look at it for us like verticals. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not a hierarchy. Like that's that's Rachel runs this. That's her track. That's, mm -hmm. you know, so on and so forth. How do you manage mm -hmm. those and keep an eye on those tracks? Or do you trust that the people running them are sort of team lead, if you will? So that's really interesting. What I trust is that people will come to me for my advice if I'm needed. So 
anyone who's so you're saying you got to hire real well. That's what you're exactly. saying. And the, the short answer exactly. to this is you've got to hire, hire really very well, well and trust that people will use the advice channel. Now, the counterpoint to the advice channel is the feedback channel, and the feedback channel says we are all managers, so we all have to be giving each other feedback, good and bad. But if somebody decided to buy a one hundred thousand dollar polycom after everyone in the office's advice was maybe not a good time or a waste of money or whatever it is, there are mechanisms where we can actually enter into what's called dispute resolution, where we're really talking about the decision you've made, how it impacted us, and we resolve it. And in the rare cases that that doesn't resolve the issue, that's when somebody or a group of people might ask someone to move on. But by and large, I operate with the belief that people are inherently good. If I share all of the information about the business with them, they will use it wisely and when they need to make a big decision, they'll include me if my advice is needed. And what happens is I don't get included in a lot of decisions where I would just be a bottleneck, but they know when I'm needed. Well, they know kind of like this is a big enough amount of money or this is a big enough impact or this is a big enough, it's crazy, it just works. And I think like even at scale, I might have to have maybe more meetings with people because maybe I'm needed for advice more. But the thing that's really important to remember about flat is Flat just means that everybody has the same opportunity to grow. We definitely have had leaders emerge. So PunchKick has leaders. It has people who have emerged and said, I want to take on this responsibility. I can do this thing. You can trust me. And people do. One of the nice things about Flat is when people are growing like that, everyone else around them really supports them and it, they just chill out. Because if that was a path you want to go down, you can do it too. Yeah. Like there's nothing stopping you. So we've had people emerge. My my uh, head of customer experience, she used to be an account manager. She would she had a couple clients. There were other account managers who had a couple clients. They'd service them. Everything's fine. But what we noticed that was that everyone was going to, to this account uh, head of customer experience. Her name's Abby. Everyone was going to Abby for help. What should I do with my clients? What's a nice way to check in? She started getting involved in metrics and tracking things. And all of a sudden, we're all like, Abby, you shouldn't be managing any three or four clients. Yeah. You need to be looking at it all holistically and be there at those pitches and help us with metrics on client satisfaction. She's doing huge things, but we're all excited for her because it's not like Zach said, you're the boss, go get it. It was everyone saying, wow, without you, I don't know what I would do. Like you're really valuable in this role. It's just a different feeling. Like you see people growing and doing big things and feel support behind it. I love it. It's my favorite part of it all. So I have to ask, like on a more personal level, I want, were you always like a believer in people or is this one of those things you go through the testicular cancer thing and it's sort of like, wow, one life to live. Like I'm fascinated when I, when I meet people like you, cause there's, I, I'm, I think inherently I want to mm-hmm. believe in people. I just don't. Yeah. Like I don't it's not I don't mean that in a mean way or like anything like that and there's and it's not binary. You don't have to be sure. either a believer or not. I'm just one of those people who thinks that like if you put people you can, let's put it this way. It's easy to influence. You can put people in a, in a pathway where they can make good decisions and you can make bad ones and it, and I kind of know how to lean them one way or the other, but I actually think that that's uh, there's a saltiness behind me that makes me feel that way. Yeah. Maybe I haven't faced that adversity yeah. yet where I'm like, you know what? You just pick the right people and then that that conversation takes care of itself. Yeah. What, where did you, where do you believe you formed this thought process? Cause I, I do think it's, I think it's kind of next level stuff. I, yeah. I think that a lot of people can preach like flat management. Like I read a book, you know, 
it's totally different if you actually believe it and you totally. because like you trust the process. Yes. That's the the yes. big differentiator to me. And companies that try to go flat where the leadership air quotes don't buy into it. Well, that's just it. You just said when they try to go right. Anything that is try to go, exactly. I'm trying to go vegan and right. I'm gonna exactly. have steak dinner. Like you, exactly, <laughs> like, and it's and that's the hardest part of it. I think for me. Maybe the cancer had something to do with it. I don't really know. I don't even know if it's a cancer. Right. It's just the the moment of like, holy shit! Yeah. Like, I, how could this happen to me? You know what I think it is? Is it's a couple things. One, I have a really loving, supportive family who always really treated me like a grown up. Like yeah. I could make a case when I was a kid for the things I needed or or wanted to do. I got to be part of the car conversation as a kid. Really? Yeah. They'd be like, "What? You know, why do you think this car? Exactly. Like, it, it paid huge dividends. Yes. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm yeah. following you. Like, I didn't have to be home at a certain time, but if they knew where I was going and yeah. who I was going with, I could stay out late, but I couldn't just be out till 11, but they don't know where. Like, I just had was... to give them a cut of the drugs I was sold. Yeah, but otherwise, of course. Yes. The house always takes 10%. Yeah, That's of course. standard. <laughs> standard deal. Yeah. So I think that was part of it. I do think also, I've just learned in life that like, when somebody has problems or there's struggle there or something, it's so rare that you really dive deep and don't unpack that there's like a miscommunication or something going on that you can help with. It's very rare in my life that I've met somebody who I've actually thought, wow, like you're just kind of rotten. Like you really, you make bad decisions. You don't care about others. So I think we run in different circles. Yeah. I, I'm running around people all the time and I'm like, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, I really don't. Like, I'm not looking for it. Yeah. But it, it finds me. I, like, I see these people and I'm just thinking, like, maybe this is a me problem. Like, I just see people and I'm like, you would drive me effing wild. Yeah. I think, well, so that that's a part of it. The other, the last thing I think I'll add to this is I do think that I'm part of an organizational a group called EO. Yeah. It's an entrepreneur's organization. Sid Bala keeps inviting me to go to- He was at my to, office yesterday. Okay, tell Sid. Love him. I said, Tech. Sid's I said, been on the show. We love Sid. Um. And so he, uh, so we, we're in So I store. should be going to this. You thing. should be. It's yeah. actually really cool. It's all about transparency. And you share. And when people are sharing about their businesses, we get so deep. Yeah. Well, I have those same experiences with my team if I share everything with them. So I don't hide anything. Yeah. And I feel like it just results in people I can really trust. And, and, I, and I do think that because there's so much transparency, people don't want to let down their peers. It's not just letting down Zach at punch kick. In fact, if you let down your team on a project, I'm the last guy who's going to hear about it. Your your own team is going to be like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? There's no manager to point to. So they're governing themselves. And pretty quickly, somebody who doesn't thrive in a flat environment realizes it's not the right place for them and we part. So I was not going to go in this direction. We've like stayed basically on like away from everything business, which is fine. We'll we, Listen, we'll plug the business. People can go and learn all about it. Just, you know what? Use them as your service provider. You'll learn all about them, and then this all just goes away. <laughs> but th there's one thing here, and, and this is taking it back to the, sort of the venture world, the entrepreneur world. And I'm speaking firsthand. My uh, powers that be are probably going to listen to this show, and I'll, I won't be here tomorrow. But um, you know, here's the reality: like we run pretty, like I said, we run kind of the same operation, a smaller team, I think, uh, obviously. But like. Uh, I don't think we would be here in this position where we are now, which is very good. Uh, if I had not been very transparent with everyone on the team, everybody knew too much. Mm -hmm. You know, they, there's too much struggle. Mm -hmm. And I believe personally that if you want good quality people, there's really only two things that matter the most. And you can people argue all this other bullshit all day long. There's only two things: you pay them what they're worth. You pay them in, in response to the work they're giving mm -hmm. you. And you always give them the opportunity to live their best life. Yeah. The rest of this shit doesn't matter. You can yeah. give them coats and bonuses and awards and whatever. Ping pong tables. Who cares? Right. Exactly. Give me money that is that is 
good for what I'm doing and, yep. and treat me like I'm respected. And then also let me be able to live my life. Yeah. And so I have always been very transparent with this. Here's where I'm going. Hmm. Investors, partners, acquisitions, yada, 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 especially those of an older generation are more of the thought process of competition breeds champions. And while most of the science says that's incorrect, mm-hmm. I understand that I grew up in that environment. So like my first jobs were always in that space where like I was dropped into a ring and I was coming out bloodied, but I was coming out nonetheless. And and I do think that to a point, like I want, I want lions, you know, maybe on my sales team, it's different roles. I want lions, but for the most part, mm-hmm. I think that as a CEO, one of the biggest jobs and, and you tell me if you've experienced this or how I don't really know where I'm going with this, but I'm going somewhere. We're going together. Yeah. Um, I've got to deal with with CEOs and people who uh, who don't run that way. But for you, it's customers, people who don't operate that sort of way. And they sort of look at you like, what the hell? You got the nuts running the asylum. Like, what what's going on mm-hmm. here? And I, I personally think that we deliver a better product and a, and, a, and a cooler experience for every single person who mm-hmm. touches us, and they probably have no idea that it's because of that. Yeah. How do you manage working with a bunch of customers? See, I found a question somewhere in there. Yeah. How do you work with a bunch of customers who I'm sure the majority of which do not run flat, and they're going, well, wait a minute, Sonny, how do I connect with who here? Like, who's mm-hmm. responsible? Mm-hmm. How do you manage that? How do you stay um, true to your values as a business operator, but handle the conversion because there is like for me i have to go to my investor and, and be like so you would do it this way but in order for us to actually have this done internally i've got to convert this into this right. how do you do that that's a good question it hasn't been a challenge somehow yeah it like if we're pitching work for example to a client they're going to meet the team that would potentially work on the project yep. so they're getting pitched from the from the start by the team that would be involved the technology champions that would be involved and so they're forming a relationship with us and I think they just see a bunch that's really happy and really passionate about their work and it actually just works in our favor. We don't hit our clients over the head with the with the structure, with the flat structure. Yeah. Well, you, because, don't, you don't have to. It's just right. more operationally. Like I would, maybe it's as an operator and a person who does this job, I, I would notice it more. Sure. I would hear you tell me what you're going to do and I'm like, uh, well, every what? team, so every team you'd work with, like, so let's say- Is a unit. It's a unit. So you'd have an account principal, which is like our lead strategist, product owner. Uh, So account principal, product owner, scrum master, designer, engineer, QA tester. You'd know them all. They'd all be on the team, but they operate together. And any issue that you have, you would just take to the appropriate person. In most cases, it's the product owner or the account principal that you're going to be talking with as your point of contact. But an issue with timeline or whatnot that involves the scrum master. It's probably the same as working with any digital agency from a client perspective. Because the client perspective, you know, the client team isn't often talking to people a different tier higher. I don't yeah. know. I don't even know how to talk in these terms anymore. But. Yeah. So like let's just <laughs> let's let's we'll switch off of this and I'll just say <laughs> this is if you've made it this far in this interview, this is the time to take out your pen and paper because I'm telling you right now, this is a conversation we have with companies all day long who are looking for tech talent. If you don't switch to something like this, I don't mean you have to follow this exactly. You can use your own hybrid. If you don't switch to something like this, where people get to work together as a unit and you're not just putting it all on one person, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a very hard time in the future hiring talent or keeping them anyway. It's hard to hire talent. And also the quality of work just suffers. Like it's so- Well, it's boxed in. You're boxing yourself. Exactly. I mean, you're literally 
we run in a silo and therefore our clients will now be siloed. Exactly. Like it sucks. Uh, well, we never really said it, but what is, what is like the best thing that you're, you guys built? Like what's, what is the, oh, the best product? So the, uh, Marriott hotels. Okay. We built tiny their, little, we, tiny little the group. first iteration of their flagship native app. We built that. That's that was awesome. all us designed, developed it with them. And it was an awesome experience. How do you land a client that big? Ooh, you know, referrals. We had, we were referred to somebody on their HR side who's amazing, she, we just love her, her name's Jessica Lee, and she introduced us to somebody on, on, the, on the digital team that manages the flagship app, and the rest is history. Another, we asked, another little we asked gem. for referrals. Another little gem, if, yeah. you're, if you're in the business who, who is based on referrals, uh, HR people, good place to start, they yeah. know where the line is. Yes. They know and, everyone's salary. And we ask for referrals, like yeah. we, you know, we have no problem asking, because for us, it's been our single biggest growth play. Yeah. yeah. Let's be stupid not to. Uh, so obviously, you you know a lot about different businesses, and your business tends to have a lot of kind of artistic pieces here. So uh, would you be down to play a little startup showcase with Let's us? Let's do it. All right. So here's the gist: we're going to have a startup uh, person pitch in the company. Uh, the company is called BX Spaces. The founder is going to pitch. Uh, he's got one minute to tell us what's going on here, and then you and I are going to decide whether or not we would invest our money in this company. Okay. And you can be honest and, and give feedback if you think that there's something they could do better. Uh, there's no better way to learn than uh, failure. Cool. So I'm told. So. Cool. With that said, Tom, take it away. BX Spaces is creating the next generation of co-working for the creator class by providing high-quality, affordable workspaces for makers, artists, and technologists. Now, we have three locations and over 170 workspaces. And that's really allowed BX to become the co-working solution for hundreds of creators in the New York area. And that's because creators need places to work that are functional, flexible, and professional, yet affordable and designed to suit the way that they work. Because they require privacy, storage, and a place to get messy, traditional co-working spaces don't really meet their needs. What they need is a space to create. And BX Spaces allows creative professionals to really thrive within a community-oriented environment of customized programming, designed to engage members to collaborate, network and showcase their unique talents and offerings. The best way to learn about investing is going over to republic.co slash bx spaces or by visiting our website bxspaces.com and clicking on the Republic logo. Okay, so Zach, for everyone listening out there, if you want to uh, invest in that company, I think you heard it at the end there, you just go to republic.co. Uh, if you go to republic.co slash register, you can actually connect your credit card and, and invest in these companies in your bank account. Uh, probably better to start with a bank account, work your way up to the credit card. Uh, Zach, you have been in, in a business that has worked with creators a long time. Do you get the gist of what he's pitching? Totally. It's like yeah. we work for creatives, basically, is how I read that. Yeah. Um, look up the numbers. You guys can look it up. It was like a 20-something million dollar event. Uh, uh, cap that they they set on it um I don't, what are what is your initial thought my my initial thought is okay i i'm hearing we work yep how is it different yep. which i i kind of picked up but not really and then also um location wise like where are these in in the so it sounds like he's in new york now yeah i'm gonna guess like so part of part of the connection here is that there's only a minute so like you sure. didn't get into all of it but like sure. I, you, know, you could all go to Republic and BX Spaces and actually look it up, and he's got every single thing you'd ever want to know. But the my hook on this whole thing, and I, I had him on my live show on Saturday, which people can listen to. It's WGN Radio. Just tell your Alexa smart speaker to play WGN Radio at like 1 o'clock, and you can listen live. Um, you know, my guess is he's got him in, these, in the, like the kind of the art boroughs of New right. York, and I would assume. 
Because uh, WeWork is in really high-profile yeah. locations. And I just, I, so for me- I the, don't know how many real estate yeah. is left. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's yeah. left? <laughs> I struggle with what makes it different. Yeah. You know, WeWork is really out there. They're advertising. I've checked out some of their spaces. Yeah. They're beautiful. It's a cool concept. I, I want to like say, it. so like, and this, I didn't say this on the show, and I don't even, I'll probably regret saying this, but like, a good friend of mine, Charles Adler, is the co-founder of Kickstarter. He started a company, a program called Lost Arts here in Chicago. I don't know if you've heard of it. It was, a, it was at the old, um, what's the beer, uh, what's the, Goose Island. It was oh, like yeah. Goose Island. And, you know, he gave it a good run and he was going to do satellite offices and all over the place. And it just didn't work. And I'm going to tell you, he, this is probably not what Charles would say, but I'm going to tell you what I, my personal opinion. Artists are called starving for a reason. And building a business model around starving artists is about as good as building a business around startups. Mm -hmm. They're notoriously flaky. Mm -hmm. They're notoriously poor. And they notoriously go out of business. So my number one concern with that, I I think the idea of the real estate play is smart. I mean, WeWork does not need to be the only sheriff in town. But I do concern myself with anything in the creative space because unless it's philanthropic to start with, usually, ask title, usually... uh, Right. A tough. Like, tough I business. mean, if there's an angle like we're half the price of WeWork or we're in much cooler spaces or he kept saying maker. Yeah. Like, so Lost Arts was a maker. So they had like, um, like car V's, 3D printers. Yeah. A uh, lot of ability for you and you and you and creatives to work together on one project and make money. And some of them, we, there was a couple who were on our stage that were like did millions on Kickstarter. But that's like, again, startups, one out of 10, two right. out of 10, like. Right. That's just, that's me tough. I, I think it's, I don't know enough about the business model to put a poo poo on it. Yeah. I just personally just think, like, for me personally, I have gotten burned and I'm going to go ahead and make my, follow my gut, which is I, I don't invest in, I don't invest in people who are starving. <laughs> like, yeah. I give money back <laughs> yeah. to them. I don't invest right. in them. Right. I mean, I'd want to know, like, where makers are working now, like, where, yeah. where, where their needs being met. But yeah, it seems a little, that one's, it, it, it's nebulous for me right now. Okay. You know, yeah. I'd want, I'd need a lot more information to be like, yes. I'm well, there's a lot more information. You can yes. go to, I'm not poo poo and you can go to republic.co yeah. backslash, uh, BX spaces. But, uh, just in general, I, that's, that's my thing. It's yeah. interesting. So I, that's, that's kind of our show obviously, but yeah. like, uh, I appreciate that. I love having people like you come in, um, to talk about the founder side because like, it's rare that you get to sit in the investor seat unless, you know, that's yeah. what you're doing. Um, and also like our last guest, I mean, I didn't know coming into this that that was your story, both the the lawyer thing and the cancer, you know, defeat. Yeah. It's a it's a powerful moving Thanks. story. So, uh where do people go to learn and follow you and learn more about the company and, and all that jazz? Just go to punchkick.com. We have a beautiful site and a blog with tons of great content. We're on Instagram, punchkick mobile. That's a Good place to start. And I would punch kick myself if I let you out of here without, <laughs> I, uh, I have to pun myself, without asking you, you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you were playing a bunch of video games and trying to come with it. What were the video games you were playing back then? Oh, Street Fighter has always Boom. been big time for me. Yeah. Who's your guy? Ryu, Ken, who are you going with? Uh, it's either Ken or Dalsine. Chun-Li. No. Oh, Chun-Li? Yeah. Did you could do the X, 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 yep. X, 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 yeah. <laughs> But now it's all Smash Brothers, which is ruining my life, and that's a whole other... Are you still yeah. gaming? 
big time. <laughs> I mean, Smash Brothers tournaments in the office last week. It's, uh, I, I, it's taking up too much time. So we used to do gaming, and we were at Tech Nexus. We, we flirted with having like uh, Founders Gaming Night. Yeah. <laughs> I still kind of want to do it. Our office now is like very buttoned up because it's at 300 North LaSalle, and it's like whatever. It's by Kirkland Ellis, yeah. so I'm as close to lawyers okay. as you could ever get, yeah. which fortunately we're on the 55th floor, so I could jump off of it if I get too many, too many lawyers, which might be a good idea. But bottom line is we would love to get back to the gaming thing. I just like it's so I'm like an addict. It's so easy for me to slip in and then all of a sudden I, I go home and now I'm gaming and yeah. I cold turkeyed it. Get Call an, of Duty. Get a Nintendo out. Switch and Smash Brothers and see people's true colors come out. You wanna oh, I did. I have a person <laughs> in my office who has a switch and his true colors bled all over the carpet. So uh Zach, I really appreciate you taking the Thank time. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> so nice. You can learn more about upcoming Technori events, investment opportunities, and check out the blog or the newsletter at technori.com. Download the podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social at Technori, or you can follow me and file complaints with me at Katoon. Boom. That's a wrap.